are back in the Football Shed, the podcast for football fans that live in the wrong time zone. My name's John Hewitt and Jeff King is here. Good day, I'm literally here. And Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. We're all here, we are in the shed. <laughs> Actually in the shed. Is anyone else really? It's a bit weird, really. It's really weird, it's really exciting. Yeah, it is quite exciting. I was giddy today, giddy. I don't know how to talk without looking at a screen. Like, I, I feel <laughs> like I've got to, yeah, I feel like I have to wait and go, oh, Jeff's talking now. And now I can talk. Yeah. Well, can, now I can just have a real conversation. It's great. What, what a year it's been. It's just bloody great. Um, I think you need a new chair, though, Jeff. I'm, my chair in my um, home office is definitely more... Next time, just wheel it down the road, Rog. Do what you like. <laughs> <Pretty> <laughs> <rich. laughs> I could travel on it. That's the next stage. We're back in the shed. Now we need to upgrade the shed so we yeah. all have our own chairs. Yes. Should have done that for the last six months. Yeah, and where's our little glass partitions between each other so that we don't? <laughs> yeah. get we don't have to. We're COVID, COVID safe. This is COVID safe. Is it? I, I don't feel very safe. <laughs> I feel like I'm about half a meter from you. Piss off home and log Bigger on, there, Rog. Yeah, yeah. Get on yeah, home. Oh, look at you on the screen. See ya. See ya, Rog. Um, before you go, Rog, did you bring a beer to have with you for the first yeah, uh, did, yeah. shed in person? Um, I've got a mountain culture status quo, apparently new to Victoria. I love that they've actually used the term culture in their beer. Mountain culture. They, they don't mean culture like human culture. They mean culture, like infestation, you know, like a, like a yeast adventure. <laughs> That's what they mean. It's the name of their brewery, Mountain Culture like Brewing Company. Athlete's Foot. <laughs> With your beer of Athlete's Foot. Um, you seem to have bought your own little mini uh, esky as well, Rog. I think everyone at home needs to know that your beer wasn't quite cold enough, so you put some ice in a mug and have put your other beer in a mug. Well, just to keep it cold. It's quite warm, You're isn't it? You're such a loser. Well, such, I didn't bring my esky. Such. Incredible. Well, um, you know, the fridge is... We should have a fridge in here, really. Yeah, oh, I'm working <laughs> on it. We're upgrading the shed. Where's the fridge? I'm working on it. <laughs> Better chairs, and we need a uh, fridge. Okay. Jeff, what did you bring? Gin and tonic. <laughs> <laughs> Sonic was in my real fridge. The gin was on my real shelf. Oh, I um, I bought some celebratory wine. What'd you bring this week, John? Audi five dollar wine. Hey. Is that a medal on there, John? It's got two medals. It's always <laughs> had two medals. Wow, a bronze and a yellow medal. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure where the yellow medal came okay. from, but anyway. Um, but every week we start with a question. Um, and this week's question. Oh no! Before I do that, I've got to do the admin. Always get it wrong when I do it in person because it's been so long. Um, if you want to get in contact, ask us a question. Tell us we're wrong about something. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Football Shed or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Um, and of course, tell your mates so more people listen. And we will be the only podcast on the planet doing it in person because the rest of the Northern Hemisphere has gone into lockdown. So everyone should listen to us for the next three months. At best, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you know? Trendsetters. I am. Um, I look on the way here today. I looked up the last time I got an Uber. It was four months ago, and it was to come here. So, eighth of July was the last time we just were here. before lockdown. Jesus. I think. Yeah. yeah. So for, for those listening in other parts of the world, obviously Victoria in Melbourne. So Melbourne in Victoria, we had one of the longest and harshest lockdowns globally. Hundred and twenty days. Yeah, which is pretty extreme. Which is why you've been listening to us on the internet, and um. So coming out the other side of that is just so lovely. So if you're currently in heading into one of those, just keep the faith, man. It's so nice to get out the other side, go to the pub, have a beer, see your mates. It's worth every minute. You say that, it's a little Stockholm Syndrome. Like, it's kind of scary going out. I'm like, well, maybe I just want to stay at home. Yeah, oh, definitely, definitely. Oh, this, is, this is as far as I'm going, which is still in my house, but I can have visitors. You know? <laughs> 
Um, this week's question. Okay. So the BBC this week released the top 10 players in the Premier League as rated by the public. So not by experts or just the fans like us. Public are idiots. Yes. Sorry, public. As, well, we're public. <laughs> we're idiots. Can you name the top 10? So sorry, top 10 currently? Yes, yeah, so in the Premier League this season so far. The top 10. The, the top 10 t- best players. <laughs> in the Premier League this season so far. Okay, James Rodriguez. No. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Not enough Everton fans vote on the... Uh, BBC message boards. Nah. Ja- Jamie Vardy. Danny Ings. Danny Ings number one. Jamie Vardy's number two. Danny Ings is number one. Yeah. Wow. He's been really good. Well, yeah, he's been very good. Yeah, there you go. Uh, James Ward Prowse. Yep, he's number seven. Eight. Hmm. Who, what's that Chelsea goalkeeper who could actually be good in goal called? Edward Mendy. Mendy. He's in there. Yes. Yes, Rog. You see that uh, one? That was left yes. field. Vestergaard. Uh, Yes. <laughs> you, you guys have both read this. No, I'm not. <laughs> you, you I'm, I've not read this. So, <laughs> my qu- excellent question has just been ruined, but it was Ings, Vardy, Antonio, Vestergaard. No one would have got Vestergaard. <laughs> <laughs> you went to left field. If you said Antonio, I would have believed you much. Um, Fuchs, who's only played two games, Mendy, Grealish, James Ward-Prowse, Fafana from Leicester, who's been amazing. He's been amazing, yeah. And Stuart Armstrong from Southampton. What I concluded from this is that a lot of Southampton fans follow the BBC mm. and have liked it a lot. But also from when we did the fan special with the Southampton guys, they were really positive. They were really positive about Southampton. And the fact, they just liberally give out lots of tens. Well, and the fact week. that they're in the top four at the moment, I think they're just going, this is brilliant. Well, you know, I think when we did... So if you've not listened to it or found the time, go back and listen to it. Because they were, they were great, I think, the Southampton Sports Club of... Victoria, Australia? Australia. Uh, pardon, pardon me if I'm getting it wrong. I can't remember your name, so I do apologise. But you, but you guys were great. It was great to listen to. And I think their pre-season expectations have been shattered by the reality mm. of what Southampton are doing this year. I think that every neutral who watches them play football enjoys it. Yep. And as a Southampton fan, that must be so lovely to, to, to just be in life and have people walk up to you and go, oh, you guys were great at the weekend. They just must be booming. But Southampton, haven't Southampton always had a bit of that, though? Like, they've always been able to beat the big clubs on their day and play good football. You know, I think of Letitia and even yeah. people like uh, Marion Pahas more recently. <laughs> and, um, you, you know, they, they, I just feel like they've always had a, um, the ability to entertain. Yeah, I, I agree. But I think this year I've seen a certain... Um, Ruthlessness that I haven't seen in previous years. I think I think they're the Hutch phenomenal. is a good coach. He's yeah. an excellent coach. Well, and I think like just to touch on that game quickly, they played Newcastle and won two 0 I think yeah. I can't see the score. Um, this is a other problem. A doing com- comfortable two 0 Do it in this in person. Usually, I've got three screens in front of me, so I can go. Oh, I've got information here, here. I just have to look at you guys. I've got no <laughs> idea. Um, but they won. Shea Adams and Armstrong. Yeah, they won two 0 But Danny Ings was injured. First game he's missed in ages didn't notice and he's been their best player best player in the Premier League apparently so far mm. didn't make a difference they put Theo Walcott up front and they were brilliant so yeah and Theo Walcott looked just like Theo Walcott mm. um, I'm not saying that he's improved no, under, well, under the well I think he's actually been quite good when he's played like he's um, like he's looked really enthusiastic like he's looked up for it he always you know looks enthusiastic <laughs> But maybe it's just because my expectations have gone down but I am always I, every time I see him play I'm disappointed 
Like I just, <laughs> just, just final, you, final ball lets you down. Yeah. Finish lets you down. Um, oh, who's got it? Theo. Oh dear. That's still like, the case. Just, that is still the case at Southampton. He is enthusiastic. He's always been enthusiastic. If you listen to interviews. He's always he's a positive guy, and he always runs his socks off on the pitch. But when push comes to shove, he's bad at football. And that's only when push comes to shove. When there is no pressure, he's good at football. There's a difference, you know. So it's when he has to do something important, he's bad at it. But that hasn't negatively affected Southampton. I think um, I heard an interesting quote from Hasselhoot. Hasselhootl. Rabbit Hutch. The Rabbit Hutch this week <laughs> where he said, you know, other teams invest in players, we invest in hard work. Yeah. And you, you can see that... They that, do look fitter than every well, other team. I don't, I don't know. I didn't necessarily realise it about... Um, Hassan Hootel as well. How much, like, how ingrained the the, the pressing, the Gingen mm. press, all variations on that are yeah. ingrained in him and his history there with that. There was mm. a really, um, I sent it around to you guys, but uh, uh, Jonathan Wilson of the Guardian oh. wrote a really interesting piece about um, football tactics at the moment and and pressing. Um, and I didn't quite realise how you know, ingrained the brand he's part has been that. and yeah, he's part yeah. of that. And obviously he's brought that to Southampton and they um you know that sort of high intensity. And we said it I remember us talking about it when he first came in and Jeff you um it, it was one of your um comments that you used to bring up on a weekly basis, I think, to try and convince us, but how hard he worked the players. Mm. You know, that he is clearly a good coach, but he is brutal and he'll keep pushing them. And I think you're right. They did. They do look super fit, and they've all bought into the way that they're playing. And so we've said that the teams that do that really well, when you take a player out, someone else comes in, does a job, and the system still yep. works. And Southampton look like they're doing that. My only fear is they still relentlessly play that high line. Yeah, yeah. And, and they've not dropped it back. And, and there was a, a game earlier in the season where it was really exposed. Yeah, yeah. exposed almost embarrassingly so. And I still watch them play, and I still get anxious when I see it so high up yeah. the pitch and and there will be a point as we've seen with so many other teams in the Premier League that there's a point where a team in form gets analysed more than they would when they're out of form yeah. and when you look at a team like Southampton or play away like Southampton do I think it's only going to be January or February before people start setting traps for that high line so yes he's very good but we have to wait to see how he adapts because that is the telltale sign um, let's move on to some of the other games um, now it was the me v Jeff Derby, the Everton Man United game. But Jeff, you didn't really want to start on that game, did you? You wanted to start somewhere else. Yeah, because I think that um, it's only fair that, you know, the top of the running order should go to the team that had the most exciting game, in my mm. opinion. And the best team I saw this weekend was Aston Villa. Yeah, they were amazing. They were absolutely brilliant. And I think it was summed up by a single passage of play for... Um, between Grealish and Barkley on oh, the Trezeguet's goal. The Trezeguet's goal. So good. I can't believe they toyed with Arsenal like a cat toying with a toy. It was like watching kids football when there's like two big kids who are just yeah. better than everyone else. At that point where Barkley had the ball and he's just like just jiggling dance. his leg, jiggling yeah. his leg, jiggling his leg. He's there for about 15 seconds mm. just jiggling his leg and the Arsenal player is not even getting tighter. Yeah. Like he's not doing anything. He's just standing off him on the edge of the penalty area and he's waiting for this pass that for everyone watching is the most evident pass he's going to take. <laughs> yet still Arsenal were just standing there watching him play football. Villa were brilliant and watching Grealish and Barkley is just a lot of fun. It's a whole... It is watching Barclays kids... Barkley's volleyed cross oh, um, for on the his th- left foot for th- the third yeah, yeah. Watkins was amazing. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, whether he's 
he's obviously not necessarily aiming for Watkins. He's just trying to put it in a good area. Yeah. But the skill to take that first time and volley, you know, he's got on his weaker foot. On his weaker foot, and he's got a very small window, you know, essentially between the back four and the keeper where he's trying to get that. Yeah. It that is brilliant. Like yeah. nine times out of ten, it just spoons out of play. I think you see him Barkley play now, like when he came through as a 17, 18 year old, you're like, this guy's special, but my God, he's got a mistake in him. And he's grown up. And now he's in a team where they have faith in him and they go, you go and do your thing and don't worry about defending. We'll work the yeah. rest out and just enjoy yourself. And because he's got Grealish next to him, basically the whole of that team, as long as they get the ball to Grealish and Barkley, they're going to make space, make things happen. Give it to Watkins, who apparently is a brilliant finisher. Well, of course he is. He was a brilliant finisher in the championship. Yeah. Like, it feels like Barkley has come in as a senior player. And yes. I think this is the first time that he... He looks like he's held responsibility on his shoulders. Yeah. Which means that making a mistake is less of an option for him, you know? Yes, John, you're right. You know, it's about expressing yourself and he's got the freedom. You're key to the city, do what you like. Mm. But also, he's. it looks like he's trying to lead by example. But I don't think I've seen such an exciting midfield pairing in the league this year. A sweeping statement, I know. Oh. But those two, when they are in full pomp, it's brilliant. I... No, last season there was no point I was like oh I'm going to watch Villa play this season I will definitely watch Villa play I mean, Grealish was still doing his stuff, stuff he was, but, but it's interesting I think he's improved again this, this is why I think Grealish should be playing for England mm. because I think we've seen Grealish improve again with Villa playing better and him having better players around him yeah. like Barkley and yeah. I think for Barkley the thing that has happened for the first time in a long long time is playing every week now, yeah. he was playing his best football for Everton when he played every week. Mm, and yeah. he's had, I reckon he's had four or five years where he's kind of been, for whatever reason, he's been a bit, a bit part player. And I just think he is one of these players that just needs to play. It won't work mm. every week, but he has to be at a club where he'll have a damn week. Because, you know, the Villa obviously lost a couple in a row mm. coming into this game. And the game before, Barkley didn't have the greatest game. But he's still going to play every week for them. And I think that is really important for yeah. his confidence to keep being able to try try the things he does. And, you know, football is about, without getting too metaphysical, foot, the reason why I like football, uh, many reasons why I like football, <laughs> but one of the reasons why I like football over other sports is the individualism that gets championed in other sports just doesn't apply. Yeah. Because, you know, if you, great, LeBron James is excellent mm. at basketball. Yeah. For those that don't know, LeBron James plays basketball. He's excellent at it. And you, you can watch him all day. Yeah. But the interplay that you need to be successful at football requires more than just a player of the standard of LeBron James. It requires yeah. a team. And it requires the you know, the the quick thought and the, the being proactive and the understanding of the telepathy that we see between good players that yeah. play together. And you know, some of the best footballing sides you can remember, some of the best goals you can see scored are team goals. The ones you remember are the team mm. goals. You know, I, I still think of the one of the best Premier League goals ever is that Arsenal goal that had oh, you know, yeah. the first touches. It's yeah. like eight first touches. Yeah. Like amazing goal because of the teamwork. That's what makes football different. It's what makes football special. So, Rod, you were right. Last year, when you watch Villa, great watch Grealish. Mm. Is that exciting? Yes, all right. But we can watch any team that has a star player and that's exciting but when you watch two players that interact the way Barkley and Grealish do you yeah. really get excited because they, they they scratch that itch of interplay and that's when football becomes beautiful and, and less of just a, a talent let's go from the beautiful to the ugly Ooh. Mikhail Arteta's hair <laughs> <laughs> um, no not just going to say Arsenal in general yes. yeah but no just generally Arsenal Arsenal 
like I've gone on and on, on and on for weeks now that Arteta is overrated and a bit crap. And as a Man United fan, they're currently two points ahead of Man United and Oli with Man United having a game in hand. So is it any better? But Arsenal against Aston Villa looked toothless. Like you said, they didn't close them down. They didn't have any ideas. They had no creativity. It didn't look like they were doing anything. And I think Arteta, he's a young manager and he's a new manager, but he's such a micromanager that he's telling his players in the, to the nth degree what to do that they're forgetting how to just play football. Aubameyang's just gone off the boil. Um, he's also playing on the left wing. Well, but Gio did last year well, as well. Well, no, but he, he they still they he played his best games last year when they played him up front. And yeah. he's persisted with Lacazette every game this year. Yeah. Lacazette is not in good form. He's no. not scoring goals. You've no. got a natural born finisher playing on the left wing. Yeah. And I think because the midfield four that they play, they play three four three and they had El Nenny and um I can't remember the other guy in midfield. Uh, from oh, Athletic Partey, Madrid to Partey. Who got injured. But they're mainly breaker-uppers and yeah. give the ball. And Abemiang's not a creator. He's no. a finisher. Lacazette's just a finisher and maybe hold it up a bit. Willian is a bit of a creator, but he's also 32 and not the quickest now. So suddenly you've got this quite slow, old, laborious front three with no creativity in the middle of the park. And it just looks a bit crap. John, you're, you're so right. It, the... The disconnect between their midfield and their attackers is glaring. Yeah, and and there was a, I read a great stat this week that, that I've got to regurgitate. Harry Maguire has had more shots than both Abemiang and Lacazette. <laughs> Harry Maguire wow. with eleven. Abemiang's only had ten shots this season, and Lacazette's only had nine. That's ridiculous. Now, you just you just nailed it, John, because because you're right. Abemiang and Lacazette are not there to create chances; mm. they're there to put them away. So their few chances is not their fault, in my opinion, no. because they're not going to drop deep to get the ball. I don't think they've got the ability to drop deep no. to get the ball. They're, they're not a Wayne Rooney; they can't just go into the midfield and hustle and then try mm. and make something. They're there on the end. Yep. So then your problem is not. Lacazette and Abemian, your problems are the El Nenis of this world. Who, like, if you if you have enforcers and breaker uppers and no out there, and yet they've got one of, like, you can say what you like about Meza Ozil, but he is that player. Yes. He literally, that's his job is to fill the void between yeah. a defensive midfield and centre forwards. Yeah, that's his role. And if you don't, if you have, if you have blockers, if you have midfielders who are willing to do the hard yards, then why don't you have Ozil walking at five miles an hour, but being that outlet, being that transition player? This is exactly where I wanted to go with Arsenal <laughs> tonight because I I completely agree, and it just frustrates me. I do think they've they've now got some players that will give the protection to their creative players, but. Arteta's not letting it happen. Now, I talked about it last week where they beat Man United, mm. but playing similarly a very limited way. Yes. Like they, yes, they pressed well, they defended well, but it was limited. And, yep. they, and, and, and I said, I wonder how far Arsenal can go with this because it's similar in a, in a way to Oli in that, you know, United mm. only seem to have the counter-attack yep. and Fernandes. Arsenal don't have the Fernandes type. Yes, we've got the um, Fernandes bit. And, and I, just, I just feel that it is very limited. And do you know what? It was so glaring against Villa because on the other side of the pitch, you watch Barkley and Grealish. <laughs> and, I, and it just frustrated me. Yeah. Because, and it's not only... Ozil is the most glaring. Um, Willock has been great in Europe. So he's yeah. got man of the match last two Europa League games. Yeah, started them both. Got man of the match. Started them both. both. 
he's he he can drive with the ball he can pass he's creative he certainly gives you more going forward than um El Nenny and um Partey uh, or Xhaka which has been it's been mm. two of those three constantly for Arsenal yeah. this year and I and I agree and I think even if you put Pepe out wide again he's not really he's not a playmaker type he's kind of he's a pure winger mm. so I feel like Arsenal are almost like solid 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 get it to the wingers and maybe in Hope. this in this game it was just keep crossing it in yeah but Lacazette He's, he's not going to be. He's not. He's Mings not going to be challenging. It was like Tyrone Mings just ate it for breakfast. Yeah. It was like again and again and again. Like mm. get it wide. What we're going to do? Cross it in. And I, I think that Arteta has to take some of the blame. Now I know you guys kind of backed him up a bit last week, saying, "Well, he's he's learning." But I, you know, I think that they need more creativity in that team. So mm. he needs to find a way to make that make that work. And I mean. Uh, the other player that I thought with Arsenal is kind of not really relevant, but it's um, Saliba. We'll go on to it, but you mentioned at the beginning... Oh, the centre-back. William Saliba, yeah. yeah. So he, there was a lot of talk about him pre-season. And he was... They bought him and then he went back on loan to Saint-Étienne. Yes. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And had a really, really good year with Fofana. Yeah, so both of them were both 19 or both centre-backs. Both centre-backs. Now, Fofana has come straight in. Yes, there's been some injuries at Leicester, but has been brilliant. Saliba can't even get a game. Yeah, I just feel it's not just um, formation with Arsenal. I think there's also some. I talked about it. I know you said Gunduji's in the bad books for whatever reason. Yeah. Torreira's gone, but I just El Nenny's not the future of Arsenal. So if Arsenal are trying to build for the future, then why play El Nenny? Well, Torreira and Gunduzi are the same as El Nenny and yeah. Like, what's Partey. the point? Like, who yeah. cares whether they're in the bad books? They're not the solution either. Well, no, but I, but if you're going to do that, I would much rather be playing a younger player. I also think that Torreira has a, a bit um, a bit more passing ability and Gunduzi. I yeah. think El, El Nenny and Partey are basically Messer block, blockers and breaker uppers. Yeah, and well, so Arsenal this season, we watched their first game of the season. Do you remember that against mm. Fulham? And we were saying how. Everyone was going, oh, Arsenal won 3 0. They were brilliant. They were. Wasn't representative of that game at all. Yeah. The whole, we talked about it at the time. The media was going, oh, Arsenal looked good this year. And we all sat there going, oh, Rogers just using his homemade esky. <laughs> and um, we were um, watching it going, hang on, the media have got this wrong um, and they're crap. Arsenal this season have beaten Fulham, Sheffield United, West Ham, and Man United in that game 1 0. Man United were having a shit week and looked crap that week. And they've beaten three teams that are not doing that well and that they should be. Um, and, yeah, I think it's a bit of a problem for Arsenal. I, I do. I don't... You know, you said he's learning. That's, should anyone be learning at a club like Arsenal? No. Well, and on that, there's a good segue onto Man United Everton, I reckon, so, because I want to talk about... Ollie. Ollie. <laughs> um, so it was the uh, me v Jeff Derby. And Man United won three one in the end. I think it was. Yep, yep. We need to print these things out bigger without a computer screen. <laughs> see well, which specs have you got on, John? Oh, I probably got the wrong ones oh, on. I've dear. got two new specs. <laughs> <laughs> need my bifocals. Um, but yeah, Man United won three one. But also, we talked. We didn't talk about Man United much last week or Everton because we were going to talk about them this week because we're playing each other. Um. We won 3-1 and it's a good end to the week. But as a Man United fan, I still think maybe we should just take the plunge and get rid of Oli now and get Pochettino in. What do you reckon? Yeah, you are in the endless cycle of mediocrity. Well, welcome mm. to it. <laughs> and and 
<laughs> I am I am a I am entrenched in the endless cycle of mediocrity. And what what I mean by that is you can have good results when you need them. You can have bad results when you think, you it's going think well. you're on a good run, but you can explain it away because it's come at the end of a good run. Then you have another bad result. You're like, oh shit, it's going wrong. And then, and then you have a good result. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well maybe it's okay. And then the cycle starts again. And what the endless cycle of mediocrity will get you is eighth. Or well, uh, Everton are in seventh again, Jeff. So it's like... It's as if nothing happened. Well, that's that's the that's, yes. you know we're chilled out, Everton fans. Yeah. That's that's because seventh will do. Yeah. yeah. It, um. So I do think you're if you want to exit that cycle, you need to do something. And I think watching this game, we were a one man team really. Fernandez is ridiculous, and he has leadership qualities, and he drives everyone. He got angry apparently in the week with Mason Greenwood yeah, for, for not training, yeah, hard working hard enough not hard enough in training and I love to see that you got a good in there for sure yeah, yeah like you're like brilliant yeah. okay we've got a good one. get rid of the dead wood fuck off Ollie fuck off Pogba get rid of them get Pogba s- dead wood 100 million pound <laughs> <laughs> um, but but it, you either got to what do about some- a coach that could get something out of Pogba Maybe Oli, or do you think Pogba's had enough at United? I think, yeah, I think the the story around Pogba's, you can't have a player that's bigger than the club and Pogba's bigger than the club. The story's always what's Pogba doing? Where's he going? Mm. How's he playing? All that. So if it was up to me, I'd just go, get rid of him. And I think they actually would have the summer just gone, but because of COVID, no one had any money. So So I would just get rid of him now. And so start. let me ask you something. So that the, the last goal, the Cavani goal, mm. right? Good finish, by the way. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, the, the, the the lead up to that goal could have easily been an Everton goal, couldn't it? Yeah. Everton played some really good football. Uh, eventually, it got knocked back. Alan, 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 um, Alan uh, got it in the midfield. Uh, played it up, and Decore fluffed the shot. Right, yeah. it got back to a typical penalty spot, a late attacking midfielder position, and yeah. and just. Fluffed it. Just hit the ball with your foot yeah. and it's probably going to go in and he fluffed it and it was a counter-attack from that. Would you say that if that game ended 2-2 instead of 3-1, Ollie would have lost his job? Well, I've, and yeah, I think that is they're my, the margins, John. Yes, I think that is my original question is that do we hide behind... We beat Everton 3-1. It's nearly eight games, John. I know, exactly. Next game is the eighth game, which is my cut-off point. You would have been on seven points. Um, yeah, if we draw, if we draw, we'd be doing it at eight. Which... Well, no, but I so I actually think I'd go earlier in this. I think there was a critical moment in this game when Everton were one nil up. Yes, and Digne didn't pass to DCL. Digne didn't pass to DCL. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, yes, he he hit the outside of the post and good strike, but you saw um, DCL's face, and he was just like, "How did you not? Did you watch it without the, the crowd noise on? You could hear DCL just go." Yeah. <laughs> which I kind of like because yeah, you can tell how hungry he is yeah. um, and I, I, I mean I, I, we won't get sidetracked DCL but I was saying to Jeff how impressed I was with him this game Yeah, um, yeah he's good. definitely brought more things to his game this year and he looks really good but I you know it, it, it is fine margins and you won but we didn't learn anything new about United it's no. Fernandez or counter-attack or bust yeah that's it and that's it and I think your goals were kind of counter-attack and Fernandez. Yeah. And what's interesting is that you won 3-1 and this has been quite an anti-Man United conversation. I think that that is telling. This result didn't prove anything. You're spot on, Everton had a lot of the play in this game. Like, you mm. still had some players players missing. But I, you know, I think on the balance of play, particularly in the first... I only watched the first half mm. live, I must admit. But 
Everton were by far the better team, but United looked very dangerous on the counter-attack, which we could say what every week because you've got, some, a, great, you've do got anyway. some great players. But if you're going to challenge for the league and probably even challenge for top four, yeah. you need more than that. Yes. And that we, we know from Everton's perspective, we know that Everton was shit last year. And we know that they were less shit the year before, but getting shitter, you know. So, uh, great. Some new signings, great. But in the last three weeks or three results, Everton have not had their first choice left or right side. And they haven't had Seamus Coleman, Luca Dino, Richarlison or James Rodriguez, which yeah. is left back, right back, left midfield, right midfield. Any team that is essentially a shit team that's getting better, that loses their left and right side are going to struggle. Yeah. And, and so it shouldn't be a surprise that Everton have had a poor run of results when you, when you look at that. But that is the nature of football this year. You know, every it, you know the winner of the Premier League is a team that copes best in those windows. It won't be Everton because we've had a window like that and we didn't cope. Yeah. When you obviously had a fairly glaring loss in the Champions League, mm. which now that Champions League group is completely in the mix. Yes. Um, generally, the Man United... Philosophy has been if you can't get in the Champions can't League, get in the Champions League, sack your coach. Yeah. Do you, do you think what do you you I get the impression that more and more you're leaning towards get rid of Solskjaer. What do you just flip that slightly? What do you actually think Man United will do? I don't think they'll get rid of him. I am. Um, I don't think they'll get rid of him. I think they'll stick with him, and I think we'll do what Jeff described earlier of have two or three good wins and then lose one. And then lose another one. And then, oh, we beat PSG away. Maybe everything's okay. Because, and that's purely because we have five or six genuinely really, really good players. And you've got the Fernandez there. And then you've got a Rashford or a Martial might have a great game or Greenwood. And you've got a few players there. You go, oh, they could be world class and they're really good. So there's just dragging them through. But if you're creating a team that's actually going to win something and do something, you've got to change the format. And like we've talked about it before, do you get rid of, you need a head um, head of football, whatever, director of football at the top of the te- top of the tree, and that changes everything. Um, but I think Ollie is limited and has one way of playing. We've brought in Van der Beek, and I'm I'm hesitant to go. Oh, you should play him every week. No, and you watch Klopp bring in Fabino and slowly bed them in, and that's the way players can be bedded in. That's fine, but also. Where the fuck does Van der Beek fit in this team in a counter-attacking team? Well, he doesn't. Maybe and he's what, a precursor for Pogba leaving. And then he's tried the diamond, yeah. you know... To, which worked once. To, to, which worked once, but you kind of feel like they tried the diamond without it really being a different style of play. Do, yeah. you, know, do you know what I mean? Like, I know they had a good result with it once, but I still... I just... I don't think that... I think Ollie's got his way with the counter-attacking and you obviously got on a roll at the back end of last year and it was working and I completely... Like, Fernandez's record is amazing. I think he's got, in 10 away appearances, he's scored 10 goals and got five assists. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, it, he's, you know, he's doing things that yeah. are getting you points. He is really, really good. Mm. So maybe that is masking... I th- well, I was going to say, I think that's almost the problem is you end up with a one-man team where, actually, if you take Fernandez out of the Man United team, so we only signed him in January, but if you take him out... There's, we were on 10 points. We'd probably be on six. Mm. And you're suddenly going, that's relegation issues. And, and you got and a penalty after the last whistle against Brighton. There are things that have gone your oh, way yes. to, to, to be on this many yeah. points. Yeah, you, you, could, like, you could vary. You're right, Jeff. You're spot on. Brighton game yeah. and this game, you take six points off United, you're in 17th. You yeah. know? And that, that 
that is that's bee's yeah. dick margin. Yeah, we're yeah. and there. I think that's what I'm saying is that because we won three one and then we're just getting ahead slightly, we got to stay, take a step back and go. This isn't working. The endless cycle of mediocrity. <sighs> Settle in, John. It's a long ride. I mean, yeah, I think you've just got a. I, I, we've said all along, probably on the pod. I don't think Ollie's the man. Yeah, he was the Labrador. He was the good time Labrador. Um, but he's not. Now he's the. <coughs> he's not the man pug. to take you into the next era at United, which is what you need. Yeah. Um. You know, I think the the Fergie era is gone. That's long gone. I think you need to move away from that. You're still a massive club. <clears throat> but you need somebody with their own identity. I don't think it's Solskjaer. I, I would just do I, it. I, it's the thing is that Poch is just sat there yeah. on the yeah. beach going, I'll have a job. Give me a job. And Real Madrid aren't going to fire anyone because they can't afford to fire anyone. Barcelona just bought in Ronald Koeman, which they'll keep for a year and then they'll fire him. But just get Poch while you can. Before he goes to Inter. Because he can. <laughs> yeah. we, we know he's a really good coach. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah whatever, and that's what you need. At Hasselhoot. That's all you'll yeah, get. Yeah, well, yes. Can um, we... Can we can, let's go to Everton, Jeff. Oh. oh, I was going to move off the game altogether because from my perspective, it, as I said, it, well, was, it was a bee's dick margin and so be it. I had two things to bring up. Mm-hmm. I thought Hammers looked a little bit of a luxury player. Mm-hmm. He looked unfit and didn't work as hard as you needed in that game. This is John pushing one of his... Uh, <laughs> pushing his <laughs> narrative. Points, yeah. Yeah. I won. I definitely won. <laughs> <laughs> and... Um, the other thing I wanted to say was Pickford's drop and then kicking Maguire in the... Did you see that? Where he, he comes over and Pickford goes up to catch it and he drops it and then he just panics. And he panics and goes to kick the ball and hits Maguire and Maguire kind of thighs it and it goes on the ball and it's not a penalty. Fine, it's not a penalty, but Pickford needs to learn to chill out. Like when I, he... I agree, but did you hear Harry Maguire's interview after that? Harry Maguire mm. came clean in the Man United dressing room after this game, yeah. said to teammates, I pushed him. It felt like I pushed him, which is the reason why I dropped the ball and he didn't kick me. Yeah, okay. Uh, so, so there is a but. There is there is this. But the the the. I'm not going to say it, the media sound like Donald Trump. But the rhetoric around this incident is: look, Pickford's done it again. And the reality is, yes. if it was anyone else or any other situation hadn't been a precursor to the situation, it would just be just another yeah. goalkeeping whatever. Well, but I, Harry Maguire came out and went. I pushed him. I felt my arm. I pushed him. He dropped the ball because of that. And I've always defended Pickford on here, and I still do. But I just and I still wanted to be England number one. Just wanted to learn that when you make a mistake, the three seconds after are the, the most, most important, important three yeah. seconds. I don't think he can. I think he has. He's a great, great shot stopper, and we know his passing's brilliant. Yeah. Um, but he has this like physical Tourette's, where he he's that kind of character. It could be fit, manic. It yeah. fits yeah. with his character. Yeah, we know that he's like very, you know, he's 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 mouthy. He's a bit cheeky. He's loud. All his movements are big. You know, it's all big. Mm. And I kind of feel like in those instances, there's no thought process there. It's instinct. His yeah. instinct is to do so. If I made a mistake, I'm going to do something straight away. And that, and he makes a rash decision. But I don't actually think there's a thought process there. So I, I think that. It's very hard to fix. So I think that is almost something you have to accept as part of him being a keeper. Yeah. And, and to back to your point about James Rodriguez, you're right. You're mm. absolutely right. <clears throat> he is a luxury player. If you had 10 James Rodriguez's, you would lose every game of yeah. football because you build your team around having a luxury player. And, you know, the Allen and Decore and Richarlison and those players are going to work their socks off 
to allow Everton to utilise a player who's luxury. Mm. And, you know, we've, we've done it before about the stats about Hammers. He doesn't sprint, doesn't yeah. run, doesn't give a shit. <laughs> and he's not asked to. Yeah. Like, um, there's a great um, Ancelotti interview when he's talking about Ronaldo, Fat Ronaldo. Yeah. And he's talking about his, um, you know, where he needs to build in his game and, and you know, tracking back and winning the ball. And Ronaldo said to Ancelotti, he goes, what do you want me for? Do you want me to score goals or do you want me to run? Because yeah. they're, they're, they're your options. Uh, and, and Ancelotti went, okay, well, I want you to score goals. The next game, I love this story, the next game he scored two goals and he got subbed off in the second half and he hadn't broken a sweat. And he goes, there you go, two goals. Yeah. I didn't run. That's not my job. My job is to score goals and be there. James Rodriguez's job is to create exactly the moments that we were saying Arsenal were missing. Yeah. And if you build your team around having the, the engine that sits around that kind of player... Then, then you don't need him to run. Hammers would be really good in that Arsenal. He'd be phenomenal. But so would Ozil. Like I yeah. think Ozil is as is as good, if not better, than Hammers. So yeah. it's like, what do we expect from yeah. from footballers? And uh, look, as I said, um, we Everton have been missing their left hand side and right hand side, and Hammers already is. It wasn't totally fit for this no, game it wasn't. either. Yeah. So it just is what it is. This result. There's another thing with Hammers, I'd say as well, which is Sigurdsson is the same. And he can't run. But less good. It's treacle, but less good. So last year, it was the same. Yes. The, but it was a black hole. Yeah. yeah. Because, because there was nothing that came out the other exactly side. Yes. Right. Whereas, you, you know, it, Hammond, if you look at it like the engine, you know, the, the effort is the same as ever last year, but yeah. the creative bit that you're putting in there is so much it's just better. It's much better. Yeah. I, I, I think that yeah, it, okay, it's, a posit- it's a positive. And I agree. I can't think you kind of just have to take that with Hammond. Oh, damn it, you've just pissed no, I, I wanna, and ruined my agenda, you bastards. <laughs> I want to talk about Liverpool Man City. Yes, well, that's right. what I was going to go see next. So, yeah, go for it. Because straight away, Liverpool played Man City this weekend. Did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> I know. We should have been talking about that last weekend. Essentially, yeah. it's like last last two years worth of top two, 100 points apiece every year. Oh, my God, Liverpool yeah. Man City. Well, that just faded into misery, didn't it? It, it was a, The first half was a very good half football. The second half felt like two teams going, you know, one will be all right. Yeah, they look knackered and points fine. Yeah. yeah. It was just <laughs> Which very, is always which, underwhelming. Yeah, it was very much a kind of two teams going, if we don't lose today, like Liverpool have no Van Dijk and they were playing away from home. Man City have had a bit of a sketchy start to the season. If you go, oh, we got a point against Liverpool, well, that'll do. And so there was they, they both kind of tried really hard for half an hour, uh, the first half. And then I think if one of them was 3-0 up, they would have gone... Great, we'll hold on to this. The other one would have gone for it. But because it was one all, I think they almost went in at halftime and went, well, I'll do. Yeah, just keep it tight. Yeah. I think it's it's strange how that game wasn't the biggest billing of the weekend. It just wasn't. There were, there were more exciting things to watch in football oh, this think, weekend. I think it was. I think it was. I think it was. You guys were trying to push it down the running order a bit, I think. <laughs> yeah, in, I think for us personally, yeah. and there was an election on. And the, yeah, we, and I, the, I mean, football we took free a back this week. On lockdown and stuff. So I think football, yeah, did but get a bit of I, a back down. Can I say something that did my head in? Mm-hmm. So the... Um, and I, I, I'm, this is probably not a point of view that's shared amongst you two, so I'm gonna I'm gonna open it up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we're all friends here. Yeah. So the, although we are in person, so we can throw stuff. At yeah, you. which is fine. Which is fine. I'm. I'm. I'm I deserve, I've deserved that a lot for the last few months. <laughs> I've been shielded by the internet. Um, okay. So after this game, both Guardiola and Klopp came out and said, "This isn't fair. Our players are knackered. We played in Europe. Why are we Why are we playing at this?" Um, this time slot, the travel's insane. We should have five substitutions. It's not fair. Now, 
a lot of the reaction to that is, oh, yeah, maybe we should reopen the conversation about having five substitutions. Yeah, it's not fair. You know, we're getting lots of soft tissue injuries. It's not fair. I think that is the biggest crock of bullshit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> I, re- I genuinely do. Because, and so hear, so hear me out, Roger's face. No, no, so, no, so, no, so, no. So, so hear me out, right? It is not, not, firstly, let's take a step back. The Premier League do not select your first eleven. If you think that your first eleven is at risk of getting soft tissue injuries, play do not else. play them. Yep. That is your job as a coach. Do not say the rules doesn't let me rest them enough, which yep. means that the rules are the, are the no stop rest. Yep. Man City spent a billion pounds on their squad, a billion. How about you spend five hundred million on two squads, yep. and that is still five times what Burnley have spent on their squad. Burnley are not going. It's not fair. They're just they're just putting up with it. You know, yeah, Sheffield United. Chris Wilder said that he felt this week. He said that I felt that he didn't make a sub until the 80th minute. So he goes, my my team had a good energy level. Not going not going to make a sub. That's fine. But okay, so you're going to say, well, they play in Europe. It's not fair because they play in Europe. Uh, you get paid a lot of money to play in Europe. That yeah. money is meant to compensate you to buy a bigger squad. That yeah. bigger squad to keep means you, that you could top. to yes. keep you there. Now, if you can't, if you're Burnley, you're not going to turn around and go, well, Man City said it's not fair that they can't keep all their players fresh. Was it fair that Man City got 101 points? Is that So mm-hmm. when Guardiola comes out and goes, you want to, everyone wants to watch good football in the Premier League, you want to watch good football, be entertained. I mean, is, is that we want to protect Man City's ability to have 101 points? Is that what he thinks that mm. we all want? No, I would like a competitive league like I'm watching this year. Yeah. I would like you to have to play other squad players like every other club does. You know, I've just spoken about Everton having a left side, right side injury and not having the um, you know, the backup in their squad to achieve the same things that they would achieve. That's football. Yeah. That's what happens. The fact that you, you know, if Man City dropped their left side and their right side and didn't have first team quality players, that's not suddenly not fair that's football. Suck it up. And if you think your players are getting injured because they've been worked too hard, that's your fault for picking them. So that whole thing is the biggest right. crock of and shit the, I've heard. The Premier League <coughs> clubs had a choice to vote on whether they continued five the five or... substitution rule. They voted against it. And they voted against yep. it. So that, I mean, there's been... it's It got raised in that game and inevitably when two of the biggest club raise you know raise it it then becomes a conversation piece in the week and it's sort of all blown up and there's been lots of talk about it um ollie talked about it with united Mm. as well um i i definitely agree with you i think footballers are generally pretty soft i also think there's (laughs) there's clearly an aspect here of um lots of soft soft tissue injuries happening i think it is a bit of a a weird thing wasn't the proper pre-season you know it's all it has been fairly i get that so there's you know that I kind of see a bit of the other side. I, I lean more towards you because I just think suck it up. It's like or don't you know, pick them or, or don't. But that. But the other thing is, you know, there was now we're talking about bringing five subs back again. Now, to me, I suspect that the other clubs didn't vote for it because it benefits the teams like Manchester City and squads. Liverpool that have the bigger, more expensively assembled mm. squads. Yeah, right, because they've got the the quality and depth, and yeah. the other clubs will go well. Why am I going to vote for this rule when that just gives you an advantage? Yeah. And those other clubs are not playing in Europe. Yeah. You know, the, the, the Fulhams and Burnleys, uh, yeah. they're not playing in Europe. So they're not, they don't have the same congestion. So they're going, well, actually, no, we're all right. And you, like, okay, how about you give us half of your European money? Then we'll vote that you can have five subs so we can buy more players like you can. The only issue we have is that all the other big European leagues still have five subs. 
Yeah. So I think, and it's so the Premier League voted for it, and because with the Premier League, it has to be fourteen clubs. I think have to say yeah. yes, um, and so fourteen must have said, "Yeah, we'll just stick to three. Um, and so they can't change it halfway through. Yeah, but, the, but we can't we can't look at a single rule. Sorry, my head's in my hands. We can't look at a single rule and go, well, just because the rest of Europe is doing it. Oh, no, that's what, not and what I'm, I'm saying. not saying it to you. I'm just saying that because I've heard that argument this week too. Yeah. I'm like, well, actually, that's bullshit too because the Bundesliga has a has a shared revenue model that is very different to the Premier League. Like there, is a, there is equality in yes. other leagues that does not exist in the Premier League, yeah. which means that when there is inequality on finance the way there is in the Premier League, there doesn't have to be equality. We don't have to mirror other leagues. We have yeah. to look and reflect on the reality we have and then act accordingly yeah. and and so complaining that your both your players are knackered i get it i get it but klopp klopp is an incredibly good coach yeah. and and he got plaudits in the last few weeks about what's the what's the name of that center back who came from nowhere phillips phillips yeah really no, brilliant came from nowhere phenomenal like klopp can train a player he can coach a player coach your players if you have a, a yeah. players who are sitting there in the resis or under 21s or or on the fringe coach them get them good bring them in but I you know. can see why they're doing it yeah. because obviously they're gonna like i un- completely understand your frustration but they're gonna continue to push their line you know yeah. they're there we talk yeah. about football being a business and they're gonna you know the course they're gonna push that but it's like it's okay so if i <laughs> I can't. You're really going for this. Aren't you? I, I can't <laughs> complain because it does my head in. It's it's like it's it's fucking snobbish elitism, and I really I really yeah. hate I hate it. It's like me complaining to you that I keep getting speeding fines driving my Matarazzi. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. Stop fucking driving a Matarazzi down the motorway, and you <laughs> yeah. won't get speeding fines. I drive yeah. a Corolla. Yeah. I don't get speeding fines. It yeah. can't go that fast. So I, you have no right to complain about your speeding fines if you're driving a Matarazzi. You have to comply. Totally agree in some ways, but there is. <laughs> Let's go well, on the football on, side. Yes, what do the, you think about? Um, before you ask me yep. a question, Jesus's goal. Did he mean it or not? Love. Yeah, it. I think he meant. Loved no, it. he did not mean that. He didn't mean the turn. Yeah, never. Why not? No, I don't think he meant that at all. That well, was <coughs> accidental. You don't and, like Jesus? No, but <laughs> should have scored the header. Should have absolutely yes, buried yeah, that yeah. header. I'm paying it because he's got previous. If Adelo Adamola Lookman did it, I'd be like, no. Nah, that was. Why don't you got a lot of? Oh, I don't think Lookman's a Lookman's, bad player. Yeah. We might talk about his penalty. We, we, but, we won't get on to Lookman. Yet. But I, I just, uh, what do you think about um, Klopp? putting Jota in as well because it's interesting in the game and that basically Liverpool went in all guns blazing yeah they went to go went let's get 3 up at half time yeah, yeah which uh, Liverpool have done against Man City before yeah um, and you know so he's he's played a big front three and Jota and it's an ultra attacking lineup. Mm. and Liverpool did start really well they definitely got tired yeah um, but and I, and I thought it was interesting because maybe Guardiola wouldn't have expected that I didn't expect I don't De Bruyne think to, expects, yeah. to miss a penalty. I can't, but I can't. It's funny because I, I wasn't that. I mean, I think this was a big game, but I wasn't that excited about it. And I think the first half was a brilliant game of football. And to me, these are still clearly the two best teams in the league. Agree. And yeah. I think when we get to crunch time, it will be these two teams that are yeah. that are up there, even allowing for all the you know the, the squad stuff. Because when you know, and you saw that at times in the first half, you're like. They've got a lot of very, very good footballers and they've still got a lot more to come back in. And I kind of feel like Liverpool will take more from this game in that 
we talked about the Van Dyke thing being mm. big, but at the time they also had Allison out. Allison's back. You know, Matip was out. Now Matip's back. Yeah. Joe Gomez has lifted his game. Um, Tiago got injured. He, he'll be back soon. I sort of feel like they're already weathering the yeah. storm a bit. Whereas when that initial Van Dyke thing happened, you're like, oh, maybe Liverpool were a bit fallible here. You know, so we'd had the Villa result a couple mm. of weeks before. I think Liverpool will look at where they are in the league at the moment and be Go. pretty Great. happy with that. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. I think um, I, I wanted to bring up Sterling... Um, in this first half, Raheem Sterling goes through and he gets taken down, but he doesn't go down and he mm. carries on and then the ball gets cleared and nothing's given. And for me, that is one of the most annoying things in the world. And we've talked about this a million times that if you, if the players don't go down, they don't get the free kick or the penalty. Mo Salah, the week before, goes down, gets the penalty. It's weak, but you know... If you don't go down, you don't get the penalty. You're Raheem right. Sterling doesn't go down, doesn't get the penalty. Which I love. I love it. But he should get the penalty. And that's what frustrates... But you're yeah. right. It's I, become the game. You have to go down. This should have been the time where they made an example of it. Because yeah. it was... I think you're spot on, John. It's obvious that it was a penalty, but he stayed on his feet. But he was disadvantaged because of it. And yeah. this could have been a pivotal moment where you go, look, you don't have which to means go down. A, which means it's a foul. Yeah, you know, if you, yeah. You've illegally disadvantaged a player. Yeah. That's a foul. Give a penalty. It doesn't matter. He hasn't fallen over. On that point, just to let everyone know at home, we are recording a ref special on Monday with Ali and Jack from the podcast called My Life on the Line. Um, they're from a company called Ref Coach. And they know a shitload about refereeing, which we don't. So we're going to ask them all these kind of questions and it will come out next week and we'll find out exactly what it means. Yeah, just just on that, John and I had a conversation with these blokes just after the Everton-Liverpool game when um, no, the, the, the Jordan Pickford. And I learned something. The Jordan Pickford. The, the Jordan Pickford. <laughs> we'll call it the Jordan Pickford. I learned something and I wanted to go back to all of our previous sheds and correct myself. So I'm really looking forward to this shed special next week. Um, yeah, it's yeah these be good. guys are good. Um Anything else from the Liverpool-Man City game? No. Um, what other games do you want to talk about? We're running a little low on time because it's exciting being back in the shed. If there's, we should, Let's talk about Lookman because we mentioned Lookman <laughs> earlier. <laughs> I feel a bit vindicated. It was only two weeks ago and I was like, oh, that is Bambi on ice there. But so Fulham played West Ham and were a goal down, a very last minute goal, and then get a penalty in the 98th minute. And Adamo Lookman steps up, who's come into the team on loan from Leipzig and was on Everton previously, and has played really well so far this season, and has been good, not according to Jeff's smile. <laughs> well, he, he was, again, their best attacking player it was brilliant. in this game. He, he, is, he has been really good. He's been excellent. Horrendous, like, horrendous, horrendous, horrendous penalty, but he's been really good. Okay, but, well, Lookman is the type of player. Now, imagine this when you watch him. His feet way too much. Right, so he's he's. Let me talk you through it. Though. It's like he's wearing really heavy shoes, and because of that, he, the, for him to run and for him to move his legs around, he's dragging his feet because they're just so heavy. So every time he does something, like he's, he, when he slaloms through, watch him. It's like it's so frustrating. I'm like, it must annoy you. It's like he's walking in mud. That's why his, his like his his amazing run goal two weeks ago was just like dragging his own feet doing it. This penalty. It's just because he's got heavy feet. Poor, poor little Adamola. You shouldn't be taking penalties, let alone Penenka's where you've got to chip it. That goes right in the grass before he gets to the ball with his big heavy feet. Well, it was kind of... It, what, the, the best Penenka's are when they're clearly... that You think they're going to kick it. 
normally, yeah. right up until the, last the point second. that they don't. Whereas this, it looked like he was lining up for a chip. Yeah, yeah. And it it he, was very obvious. And then he chipped it. Yeah. And it didn't even make the call. He's, like, al- he's also getting younger. Have you seen his his, his, his face? He continues to get. He's about twelve now. <laughs> Benjamin Button. Yeah. I um, but I do feel really sorry for him because he has played so well this season so far, and he's been Fulham's yeah. best player. It's been the so shot, like, shining light a bit. Yeah. And you're like, oh, just. <laughs> Put your foot through it. Just like <laughs> you've got to put your big heavy foot through. Ninety <laughs> minute. Don't think about it. Just whack it down the but middle. This, I mean, to be fair to Fulham, they're out of the relegation zone. Yes, we know they're going to be there or thereabouts with four points. Yeah, but we know that Fulham are going to be in that scrap for the whole year. I think there's a bit of a danger at the moment of those, um, you know, bottom four or five just disappearing. Being yeah. the bottom four or five a bit, yeah. but um, it, you know, I. I kind of think Fulham know that they'll they'll take it. They beat West mm. Brom, which is uh, which was the big result for them. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, you know, I think that West Ham on balance of play deserve to win that game. Uh, whilst we're doing a whip round, I want to yeah. talk about the Chelsea four-one against Sheffield United. Yes. Um, and firstly, my goal of the weekend goes to Sheffield United. Um, Thingy McGoldrick, their, David their, McGoldrick, or oh, his their, little flick. Yes. yes, but it, but it was the whole set piece, wasn't it? Yeah. It was the the corner that went to went short. That's right. Trying to t- run it inside, reverse pass in yeah. nowhere. So Chelsea's defense just had did not see yeah. that coming. Then it goes into a man who's playing num- essentially number ten. Yeah. chips it forward to a back heel to go in the bottom corner. It was just brilliant training ground stuff, and I love it. But Chelsea looks special. Do, do we worry about Sheffield United? Yep. We talk about Chelsea. I have but, a real because like, I've watched them lots of times this year and still been really impressed with the football that they've played. And I'm like, they'll get out of it. They'll I, get out of it. They'll get out of it. They're on one point I after eight I, games. I think I know the problem. Their goalkeeper's crap. So they brought in Aaron Ramsdale to replace Dean Henderson, who's gone back to Man United. Ramsdale was crap at Bournemouth last year, and. It's quite easy, maybe that's a bit harsh, it's pretty easy <laughs> um, to look quite good in a crap team if you're a good shot stopper mm. because you face a shitload of shots. And Bournemouth were awful defensively last year yeah. and all they had to do here was just constantly dive here, dive here, dive here. If you're a Premier League level-ish goalkeeper and you just got to make shot stops, that's bread and butter. That's what you do. So he looked quite good. They spent £18 million on a guy that I think is crap. And I think he's got no leadership, he's got no organisation, no distribution, and they've got a shit keeper and they're in a problem. I think you're right, John. I, I hope they'll get out of it because of what they had, did for football last year, but I don't see it at the moment. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, we've, got, we've got to talk about Chelsea yeah. in this game. Um, Zayic looked amazing. Werner looked so amazing. And, and we talk about players, sorry, teams that... Um, Let's just ignore everything I've ever said about Frank Lampard right now. But but teams that have enough depth to cope with injury problems, mm. and Chelsea are one of them. Yep. So, so when I said before, the team that wins the Premier League, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying Chelsea are going to win the Premier League. I don't know. But the team that will win the Premier League is the team that will be able to cope with these periods where they have to do what we said Liverpool and Man uh, Liverpool and um, Man City should do, you yeah. know, and work with their second string or third string. And Chelsea have that. Because they went on such a massive... 
spending overhaul. And because the players they replaced in the first team had such a good year last year, their second string is knocking on the door permanently. You know, the, the Mason Mounts of Tammy Abrahams of this world yeah. are knocking on the door. And, well, and the best ones are in the team. Exactly Rhys right. James. Yeah. yeah. So for everything I thought was a problem with Chelsea, I'm looking at what they're doing now and I'm thinking, actually, maybe you've stumbled across a situation which is <laughs> I'm saying stumble because it, that, that Cause it's this can't have been the plan because it's such a unique season so this yeah. is not a, a classic yeah. footballing evolution of a, of a side but you've stumbled across a situation where you have the resource the human resource to cope with the scenario that we're currently in but in, in. theory they so that last season they played a lot of the young guys and now the mounts and, and Tammy Abrahams of this world Reese James have a season behind them, although Rhys James was on loan last year, playing first-team football and being in that first team and knowing what it's like to play in the first team and getting used to it. So now, if Timo Werner's injured and you chuck in Tammy Abraham, it's not a pro- It's not a big deal for Tammy no. Abraham to play number nine for Chelsea. It's, it's not his like, opportunity. And He's he, already a Chelsea player. Yeah, and he's also going, I'm going to keep this position. I've done it before, and I know that if I score two or three goals this week, I'm going to be in next week. So and so you create that competitive momentum yeah. and then they keep pushing each other out of the team. And Zayek, or Ziyech, I don't know how to pronounce his name, looks something special. Phenomenal. And, just... and I, I remember I was saying it, I've put Werner as my, Werner as my top goal scorer this year. Yeah. He is clinical. So good. But yeah. I, I think the other thing, we talked about it last week a little bit, maybe grudgingly, and I think the longer it goes on, the more we have to look at it. But we talked earlier about Oli. Um and we talked about Arteta, and perhaps they're not fixing their flaws, but maybe Frank is. Yeah. Because Thiago we were, we were talking, great. Thiago Silva has been brilliant. Keeper's been great. Um, so maybe is, is, do you give Frank credit for... And, and the, the thing that's coincided with Chelsea's form improving is not only those two, it is also Zayat coming in. Mm. Um, he seems to give them that. It's funny, he's, he's, like, he's, a good, he's much better passer of the ball. Than I thought. Yes. Like when I saw him at Ajax, I thought it was, you know, he's tricky, he's skillful, you know, kinda um, but there's a bit more substance there and I thought He's got that hammers cut inside on his left foot and just yeah, ping a ball he's, to he's somewhere. He's more creative than I thought and better passing range. Yeah. So I, I've been really excited to see him because I think he's a better player than I thought. But the other thing is he's worked working brilliantly with James because he likes to come inside mm. on his left foot and you've got one of the most attacking right fullbacks in the league who can then bomb on up outside. And if you're defending that, it's really hard because you don't know, do I need to hedge my bets in, you know, as fullback in case James comes past or I can't let this guy go inside, you yeah. know, because he's going, you don't want to just let him go on his left foot. Um, but I think the main thing for me is that if they can keep it tight defensively, they have as much quality in the forward third as any other team in the league. And I, and I, and I think they have the depth to actually challenge. Ooh, Chelsea might win wow. the league. Shit. No, I don't Do, think they'll win. So, and also, Chelsea might win the league. <laughs> Top twos, Leicester Spurs, they both won 1-0. Um, so maybe they're on the way to winning. Not going anywhere, are they? No, they might do well. Um, and I want to just touch on, before we go into side stories... Leeds lost 4-1 for second week in a row, but Patrick Bamford's offside is the weirdest thing I've ever seen, and we will bring this up <laughs> with the referees on Monday when we record with Isn't them. Isn't it good? I think it's good. What? The offside? Yeah, I think now at least we know that when you point like that, it's offside. <laughs> it's so 
so weird. Surely, like, like if VAR has taught us anything, it's now that that is offside. Before VAR, we didn't even know. People were pointing like that every week. They were just everyone's pointing. I mean, but, but now I, we know that's cheating. When so I, I feel I feel grateful to VAR for highlighting that I didn't think pointing was offside, and now I do. When I <laughs> see things like that, and we've seen other things with the handball rule. They are applying the rule correctly. Mm. So we can't... Uh, do you know, one of the things I got for it, uh, Gary Lineker, obviously fairly high profile, posted after this incident, you know, something along the lines of the game's gone to shit. Um, you know, what do people think about VAR? Keep it or lose it? And, the you know, the immediate response to that was like over 70% of the... Um, you, you know, people that responded said, get rid of VAR. And yeah. he had lots of pundits saying it. Now... It's I we know that I would happily get rid of VAR, yeah. but it's not we're not gonna get rid of it. No. It's here to stay. Let's and work it's out how not to use VAR. It. No. This is looking the at the rules. And, yes. and it's just that there is now more focus on them than ever because we're looking at them under the VAR microscope. But I just see that we do not that's not what we want football to be. So yeah. yes, by the rules, his armpit where they've decided that is how we're drawing the line in terms of the arm this year. It is actually offside yeah. on the fr- again on the frame that they've looked at it from, which might not be accurate enough to determine it. But that's how they're doing it. So by the rules this year in the Premier League, it's offside. But mm. I just look at that and go, that's not offside. No. That should never. You know, his whole body is behind no, the now, players. But, but now we know he can score with his head. Well, if his whole body was behind apart from his I, head, I just think we. You know, when we see things like that, you go, okay, nobody likes that. So what do we need to do? It's not getting rid of VAR, isn't the it's answer? Just the it's rule. just looking at the rule, yeah. and it's using within the context of VAR. And to me, that is not difficult. We saw this happen really quickly in the World Cup, and it worked. What the thing I get frustrated about a little bit at the moment is we're kind of seeing the same few issues week after again, week again. after week. But they, they, they when, did when fix, are we going to? They fix did it? fix the handball one that was happening in the first three game weeks. Game week yeah. four, they they. Well, I'm going to say fix. There was two incidents this week. We won't bang on about them. But they certainly tweaked it mm. to incorporate yes. what was happening to go, well, actually, the letter of the law isn't working for the game. Um, so, so I have no doubt they that they will tweak this. They seem reluctant to do it with offside, which I, and this is what annoys me. This is black me, or white, Rog. It's the, black or white. Yeah, this is what annoys me a bit about VAR. <laughs> and all that. these referees are saying, you know, it's a fact. It's, yeah. you know, the VAR does not get this wrong. There is no margin for yes. error. It's either offside or it's not. Well, no. No. So, no. No, 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 no. That was offside, obviously. <laughs> Obviously. Now we know. Um, do you have any side stories, Jack? <laughs> I do. Have you seen the um, the Fitbit study? No. Have you seen, seen this like, As in the little things you wear on your wrist? Yeah, so they did a study of Premier League fans who wear Fitbits. They asked them to submit their Fitbit data pre-game, okay. during game and post-game to see which fans suffered the most stress and anxiety during a football match. Sorry, course. what's a Fitbit? A Fitbit, Roger, is like a... <laughs> Fuck, fucking hell, granddad. It's like a bracelet that tracks your steps. It's like a step counter. So just, it's a step counter. Yeah, but it's yeah. got like a heartbeat monitor. It's just and, a brand, yeah. It's yeah. like a Fitbit thing. They came out in like 2003, I think. Yeah. Does it feel your pulse or something? Yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, that's also a thing it does. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Yeah. So, uh, are we cool? Is it a are we phone? Cool? That's not a phone. Yeah. It's just a bracelet. Okay. It's, it's a satellite phone, a camera phone. It's and a new why camera do phone wear to track their to track their yeah. Fuck right, right that sorry. wasn't the okay. point of this yeah, story. Yeah, carry on. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> the study was done. 
people's Fitbit data to work out which teams' fans had the most stressful time watching football. Have you, have you seen any of this? No. So, officially, Everton, the, um, Chelsea? the most stressful team to support is Burnley. Oh. With a 90% BPM increase during the game. Could this also take into account the health of their fans, though? No, no. There's a, there's an average, so it goes it goes average increase. So I, I did oh, okay. I did think yeah. about that. And, um, <laughs> so, everyone, sorry, from people from Burnley, because because <laughs> the the highest they do ad, have the highest the, percentage of fast food outlets but the highest in the UK. Pre-game BPM was Spurs with eighty nine beats per minute. So yeah. they, they were they were head and shoulders the most stressed on their own. Yeah. Just Spurs fans, just naturally stressed in that yeah. part of London. But they were the, they had the second least uh, percentage growth during a game That's of football. That's because Jose's putting so them to sleep. Yeah, they're naturally stressed, but they're somewhat chilled when they watch their team play, which, oh, which, which chilled seems fine. comatose. Um, top three or four, so it goes Burnley are the most stressed, then West Ham, followed by Man City, and then Leicester. It's strange, I think the counter-attacking teams experience most fluctuations. So, um, Teams Leicester, Arsenal, Man United, they're all in the top six. The most relaxed fans are Everton. Oh, really? Well, it's because we've yeah, accepted... You're happy with your lot. We've Everton Cup every year. Set your watch by it. The, That's true. The endless cycle of mediocrity has had a genuine physiological effect on Everton supporters. At the beginning of the year, you're not going down. You're not going to every win. now and You're then. You get, win the you get a flutter of hope every now and then, just like a few weeks back, and then suddenly it's like, well, where are we now? Where are we this week? Oh, we're seventh. Well, yeah, the, the, we most, the most stressed. <laughs> Relax. You, you, you changed significantly when Everton had their good start. I made the most of it, right? That's what I did. Well, no, mm-hmm. I could. There was a there was a there was a shift in your like. <laughs> Persona. Um, yeah, your persona. I didn't like it. I was uncomfortable. I was like, who's this? Like, what's going on here? This not, is... not for long. My BPM's back down. Yeah, to normal, normal. <laughs> <laughs> back in seven. Rates. I oh. just thought it was really interesting. And, um, that is interesting. Yeah, so Burnley fans, I mean, considering you are in the bottom three, you gonna, have a tough year ahead. It's going to be a stressful week. And yeah. oh, NHS Direct is pretty slow at the moment in Burnley. Yeah. So, um, that's I wanted to mention quickly Greg Clark, who has been was the head of the FA. See you, Greg. Yeah. Um, he Sauce. has been fired today for managing to try to defend himself to government about projects. Um, uh, restart, big start, um, um, whatever it whatever was. It the thing, the camera. <laughs> and in the process of trying to defend himself, be homophobic, racist, and sexist. So now he's gone. <laughs> yeah. So I think which we, which we he can be all also be happy about that. He also Fuck has Greg. previous. Fall. Yes. Like it's not the first time. There's been lots of. Uh, you know, he's got a rap that, sheet. That is yeah, a fact. Yeah. yeah. But, to, but to do it in front of government, to government, when you're trying to defend yourself about doing something else well, shit. You'd argue that the House of Lords would be quite a receptive audience for being, <laughs> for being homophobic, racist and sexist. <laughs> yeah. so maybe he was just comfortable. felt a bit too comfortable, yes. didn't he? Yeah. But but, I, um, good riddance, Greg. He Fuck off. looks exactly... I can't remember the name of the comedian, but he's the head teacher from The Inbetweeners. Oh, he looks yes. like a like older, fatter, more angry his, version His name's also guy. Greg. Yeah. Um, I'm 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 not sure if I should say this, but after two gin and tonics, I'm going to say probably New Epstein. <laughs> we have no idea whether Greg Clark knew Epstein or not. <laughs> yeah. so anyway, just Jeff's opinion. Jeff's opinion. <laughs> See you, Greg. Yeah, I mean, um, boy, I'd, yeah, he hasn't covered off. himself in glory. He can fuck off. Um, 
I also wanted to bring up Jude Bellingham getting into the England squad because I think he's brilliant. And but you, well, hold on. Yeah, we, we go. I'm in, I'm in for this, Rog. Go on. We, tell, him, tell him to hold you, on. You're getting, no, no, I'm excited about him too, but we constantly berate England for picking a 17-year-old that has two good games. Yes. Hudson yeah. Adoy. And now we've we've just straight away. Jude Bellingham played 46 games for Birmingham last year. He, he did, started seven out of nine for Dortmund this season. One assist, that's it. He's a defensive midfielder. Kante doesn't get assists. Like he doesn't do assists or goals. Like he's all he's got to do is win the ball and pass. And it. he is very good. And so, he's so brilliant. You think that he could be in the Euros? Yes, I would start him for England every game. But, he's a world okay. Beater. Okay, so Ross Barkley and James Madison were not picked for that England squad. Play, they play a completely different. It's like uh, a just, goalkeeper and a left back. No, a little bit different. No. One wears gloves, but uh, unless you're Ashley Cole. He wore gloves. Uh, anyway. <laughs> or play for Arsenal. Or play for Arsenal, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, don't get me wrong, I'm excited to see young English players, but I do think that Southgate has this tendency to do exactly what you said, Rog, to after two good games, play the 17-year-old English kid as a, as a, as a thing. And he really does ignore a generation of players that would make our team better. I, with Jude Bellingham, he's come from, the, he's in the under-21s. Ward Prowse is injured, who plays yeah. in that centre midfield role. They need a centre midfielder. Is it better to bring through Jude Bellingham or find another centre midfielder in the James league? James Madison, he's not had a cap, has he? He doesn't play but in that position. I agree. Like we don't, ha- like particularly as Southgate and at club level at the moment, Dyer is being played as a centre back. Yeah, we don't have many in that. We have de- like Harry Winks, Henderson. Midfielder. And Bellingham's different Phillip, to them. Calvin Phillips is injured. Yeah, like they're Bellingham. not, and neither of those three is really the true defensive midfielder. Bellingham's like, like a canter. Calvin like, Phillips is a deep lying playmaker. Yeah. Um, Henderson runs around a lot, but is essentially more of a playmaker. Yeah. Like I just. He's number eight. Isn't he he is yeah. a true defensive yeah. midfielder, and and I, I mean, I just. I just don't want to break him, is my because I think he's really good, and I think he's, he looks like the kind of guy that is going to take everything in his stride. You know, he's already he's seventeen, like you said. You know, scored on his debut for Birmingham. They retired 16. his shirt. He scored on his debut for Dortmund. Like he's, he's just he's clearly got but do, it. But, but do you know who didn't get a call up? He should have. I mean, Adamo the look. On that note. Uh, is it time for end game? Okay. End game, ready, right. Right, Jeff, you are games master. The scores are Jeff four, me three, Roger two, which means Roger's last. So Jeff's on four. Maybe we should just end the game now. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. done. Let's yeah. retire it. Yeah. Well, this Roger. happened last year, and you'll both recall what happened last year. You, what I don't remember. I had a terrible start. I was about did six I, behind. Did I, I win? Okay, are you um, ready? We're ready. Um, I, oh, I'm doing it in person. So are we going to 2015 again by any chance? No, no. 2004, Rog. Okay. Mm. So this is this is in your yep. moment. It's in my wheelhouse. In your moment. Right. We're going for Everton United, because it was Everton United this week. Ooh. Everton 3, Man United 4. Sir Alex Ferguson and David Moyes. Now, if you remember, and I'm going to give you a bit of a clue here. If you remember, 2004, 2003-2004 season was the season that Elephant (laughs) Everton qualified for the Champions League. Ah, but then you didn't actually make it in because you lost to Villarreal. Villarreal. That still counts. It was a qualifier. That counts. The music was played at Goodison Park. That counts. (laughs) I I weeped a tear, John. Weeped a tear. Um, 
Okay. 2004. Yes, correct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do I go first? John, you go first. Wayne Rooney. Oh, it's not no, good. I don't... Did he... Yeah, he played in Euros 2004, didn't he? Oh, yeah, that was the start. But he, but was... he, and he went from Everton to Man United. Like, uh, No, John, he, he didn't play. Oh, God. <laughs> right, I'm one down. Oh, God. That was a good guess because he would have played for either team, but he didn't play for either team. Uh, Tim Cahill. <laughs> no. Tim Cahill <laughs> didn't play. We are so crap at this game. Come on. How did Tim Cahill not play in that game? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> I didn't pick it. Um, Ryan Giggs. Uh, Have you picked the Wait wrong? a minute. Hold on. I'm so sorry, John. Wayne Rooney came on as a substitute for Everett in that game. I'm so sorry. So you are still on two points. Okay. Well, wait a minute. Then he's got to come up with another one, though. Yeah, you, now you, well, that was still so his Does that game. mean I have to come yeah. up with two in a row? <sighs> I don't know. No, no, just do one. No, no. Just do one. Ryan Giggs. And, and it's is, just you still got a point. Hold on. Is Cahill there, too? <laughs> <laughs> just let's check. Come on. If, if you've got it wrong once. I have rechecked, and no, Tim Cahill was not there. Ryan Giggs, correct, John. Uh, Paul Scholes. Paul Scholes, correct. Um, Tim Howard. That is another very intelligent guess because he went from one to the other. <laughs> yeah. Tim Howard, correct, for Manchester United. Uh... Neville. <laughs> <laughs> That's such. <laughs> Which, Which Neville, Roger? Uh... <laughs> Gary? Correct. Played for Man United that day, obviously. I'm going to go for Neville <laughs> Phil. Incorrect. Oh, what? One minute. Let me just see if he came on as a sub. No, incorrect. He hadn't moved to Everton at that point. Oh, we both lost a life. Um... There's, a, there's another that went from A to B that would be a good guess right now. Yeah. Well, don't give us bloody clues. Okay, I won't. Retract that, then, Rog. <laughs> there isn't another one. Um, Thomas Graveson. Thomas Graveson played in midfield for Everton that day. Danish international. God bless you, Tom. Rio Ferdinand. Rio Ferdinand did not... Play. What? So Roger's got to get this right and he wins. Correct. Get it wrong, Rog. Get it wrong, Rog. Get it wrong, Rog. Oh, no, Rog. Lee Carsley. Lee Carsley played for Everton. Oh, yes! yes. <laughs> You just picked the ball blokes. Yeah, John. You should know that. Okay. Oh, just that year when you... They just played the same yeah, 11 yeah, every... It was like, well, which one's that? Is it Graveson yeah. or Kersley? <laughs> didn't matter, really. They were both the same. Um, so, Everton lineup: Nigel Martin in goal. Nigel oh, Martin. Steve Watson. Oh, typical. Everton played five at the back. Oh, nice. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was Steve five Watson in the field. or no if Hibbard yeah. was on the scene. Yeah. Steve Watson, uh, Unsworth, Pistone, Tony Hibbard, Alan oh, Stubbs. Tony Hibbard did play in Zinedine Kilban. Thomas oh. Graveson, Lee Carsley, Franny Jeffers, and Duncan Ferguson oh, up front. Uh, off the bench, Gary Naismith, Thomas Rodzinski, and Wayne Rooney. 
Manchester United, you will kick yourself for some of these. I really thought you'd, you'd go deeper. Tim Howard in goal. Gary Neville. Wes Brown. John O'Shea. Mikel Silvest. Roy Keane. Ryan Giggs. Paul Scholes. Darren Fletcher. He's a Man United legend. No, but he wasn't a regular starter until yeah, much I later. I'd like the Vidic, Ferdinand, yeah. Evera, Carrick. Ruud van Nistelrooy. Oh, is that? Yeah. Mm. And Louis Saha scored two goals that day. He went from one to one the other. You could have gone good for Zaha and that would have been a, that would have been a short there. Oh, Off the bench, Cristiano Ronaldo and Quinton Fortune. Oh, yeah, I had Cristiano. Oh, Quinton Fortune. I had crap. Ronaldo as my next one. Good yeah, one, but though. it's because those but you're like your Darren Fletchers and your Sahas, you'd never say because at best they probably came off the bench. Like yeah. they, you wouldn't I thought you'd get Van Nistelrooy. And I thought you yeah, I thought you yes. hazard at Ronaldo. Well, my next, I, I was my next two Saha. were Hibbard and Ronaldo. So yeah, was... I went for like Vidic, Ferdinand, Evra, Carrick. You were just too late. So it was a wrong. little bit earlier. Yeah. Um, great. We're done in person. First show back in person. That's exciting, isn't it? It's really good. I need to get some aircon in this room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's very sweaty in the shed. Yeah. Um, but it kind of feels like, like it, was, it was a bit humid in Melbourne today and yeah, yeah. all we needed was some dogs barking and then it would have been like back like in five the, years the ago original in the, in the actual shed. In the original shed. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week. Don't forget, if you want to get in contact, ask questions, tell us we're wrong about something, just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. See ya. See ya. In person. Bye. <laughs>